Welcome back to the Full Tank with Phil podcast, the first ever podcast about gambling on NASCAR. And we're winding down here in the season. Only four more races left, and they're into the round of eight. The cuts have been made, and now it is crunch time for the drivers who are left. And we're a little surprised about who is left. So on this week's episode, we're going to talk about that Roval cutoff race. And there was a lot to... Uh, talk about there. So I'll give you how I was able to absorb that race and the drama that unfolded there, how we did in our bets after everything, the smoke cleared, and who made it out in the playoff picture. So we'll talk about that playoff picture, championship odds, everything, what we're looking at now with eight drivers left. Then we will move forward to Vegas. So it's the first race of the final round before the championship. And uh, it's a racetrack that we've been to before. So Vegas number two, the playoff race. We'll try to break that down, talk about the data sets that we're using, the stats that we're getting into to try to make our picks. And um, the outrights will follow that. Talk about some guys who I think my theme this week for the guys that I'm choosing for outrights. I mean, I don't think the odds are that great for anyone, but I'm choosing some guys who need to figure it out. So those are the guys that I'm kind of putting it on this week. And uh, then we'll get into some finishing position bets. The finishing possession um, market, top 10 specifically, not that great, but we'll call out some guys for certain reasons and then maybe some props. So uh, after that, we'll get into some head-to-head talk. I'm anxious to hear if people uh, kind of agree with my thought process on the head-to-heads this week. And then, um, well, it's a solo episode. So if I'm uh, having some time here at the end, I'll get in a little Phil's fired up because there's just so many things that are happening in the world of NASCAR, uh, good, bad, and ugly, that uh, you could be fired up about. So um, we'll save that for the very end of the episode. So let's talk about the Roval. And it's, uh, well, you know, a lot of people kind of down right now in NASCAR fandom, NASCAR gambling. The Roval did not really come through. Um, And the reason for that was because the race for the first two and a half stages, people were saying is pretty boring. And, you know, for gamblers, that's not necessarily a bad thing, you know, because that means that things are playing out just how we thought potentially. Um, and then things went to hell because of NASCAR's inconsistency. So I want to start this recap by explaining to you how I was watching the race because I was at a birthday party, uh, for my niece who is two and, um, well, the Eagles were playing at four 30. So we, you know, definitely have a lot of Eagles fans and had the race on and everything was going perfectly for me. Um, and, and the bets from the podcast last week specifically, I mean, all the way up until, you know, when the Eagles started and then like I was flipping back and forth for the first quarter or so of the Eagles game. 
it was fantastic. I had AJ, you know, out front, had him as a, an outright bet. I had a, a Michael McDowell uh, top 10 bet. I had Chevys to finish 1-2. They were running 1-2 with him and Reddick and, and Chase being up there. That was looking fantastic. I had Cindric over Briscoe, I believe, and that was looking, you know, it was spotty through most of the race, but at that point in time, you know, when the Eagles came on, it was looking good. And then um, I had AJ over Byron. Everything, and that combined in a parlay, everything was clicking. It was set up to be a fantastic day for me. Eventually, um, I, you know, kind of had to stop flipping back and forth. The, the Eagles came out hot, and it looked like it was going to be a nice, comfy game. And then, you know, everyone around me was kind of like, hey, let's let's leave the game on. So I was trying to follow the race through my phone. But at the same time, I was thinking, you know, this is looking pretty good. You know, we're getting down to the end of this race. I'm feeling good about the way everything is. Um, I'll, I'll pay attention to the party. We got cake. We got presents, you know. Then I tune back in on my app and see that Christopher Bell, who we did call out, one of our favorite bets last week was Bell as a top Toyota. Um, he looked like he had won the race. But the app for NASCAR is just awful. So I had to hop on to Twitter. I saw our, our chat that I got with a bunch of these guys out there on Twitter was just absolutely blowing up. I had to, you know, really dig back into it. Um, our, our guy, Derek, got picked by Blaze. He said, hey, you, you definitely missed a lot of drama. So you have to go back and, and take a look. So um, that's how I first found out about the craziness that unfolded. Now, um, as far as the bets went down, before we get into, you know, everything what happened, we had Bell, like I said, in that top Toyota bet. We had Busher, who snuck into the top 10. That was a, a top 10 bet that hit. Um, but everything else did not really pan out. It kind of fell apart because of a late caution. So obviously there were some things that went down throughout the race, right? We had Chastain hitting the wall. He was in a lot of trouble. Suarez had, you know, some issue as well. I think it was power steering um, as well as, you know, something else with the car. So those two were both struggling, um, the track house cars. And then Larson hits the wall. And it seemed as if, you know, so I obviously went back to, to watch the highlights and the race itself. And it seemed as if the five team thought that they were going to be okay, but they did not anticipate, you know, a new winner. They didn't anticipate this pure craziness. I would imagine if they did have a crystal ball, they would have spent a little less time trying to get that car back. Maybe only lose two laps instead of five. I don't know if that would have really done anything for them. But um, anyway, Larson hits the wall, which is so un uncharacteristic of that guy and that team, the championship team, defending champs, no less. Um, and then we get a random sign on the racetrack. And that's the hot topic in the NASCAR world, obviously. What is the deal with this sign? Is it a cardboard sign? NASCAR throws a caution. And it just, you know, really rubs people the wrong way because it seemed as if that sign, according to teams, was on the track for a really long time. Why throw the caution at that point. It seemed as if NASCAR wanted a little bit of chaos and boy, did they get it if that's what they were looking for. I mean, it, it's tough to argue with that, right? We've got some, you know, disgruntled NASCAR fans out there on Twitter, you know, kind of calling this out as a conspiracy theory, it seems like, but these, those people don't have tin hats on. That's pretty consistent with 
the rest of the season. It seems as if NASCAR is leaning into these types of things. Why would you throw that caution? There was no real explanation. They said that, you know, it was a debris on the racetrack. But if it really was out there for a long period of time, why throw it then? So what that did was set into motion just a crazy turn of events. We had a, a restart. Obviously, restarts at the Roval get chaotic that first turn you know people go flying non-stop then you have christopher bell who was on a, a fresher set of tires and uh, we actually talked about christopher bell on this podcast talked about him on the nascar betting preview show every wednesday night i'm on there and we had a a conversation about this you know because i called that out as my favorite bet of the week and the, the question that came it was you know thrown to me was you know they're going to be going for the win so do you have any you know, concerns that if they are to go for the win and it doesn't pan out, he wouldn't be the to top Toyota. My response was, I trust the team. I trust the team to make the right call at the right time. If they're going to take a risk, I'm fine with that. And if the bet doesn't hit because of it, so be it. But I trust them to do it at the right time and for it to pan out. Well, it absolutely panned out. They got the fresh tires because of these restarts. They were able to hunt down everyone, and he passes Kevin Harvick for the lead and gets it done, not only just for the top Toyota, which, by the way, Kyle Busch was in third. I think that was because of some of the chaos, but uh, he gets the race win and locks himself in. A, a bottom of the ninth home run gets him into the round of eight. So he looked great in round one. We're going to talk about playoffs in a second, but round two, he was trash except for the end of that Roval race. So, you know, that puts us in a spot where, okay, now you're looking through the field. Who else is in? Larson was originally in, but then he hit the wall, had those problems. Then it looked like Sindrick was in prime position, and Sindrick really let me down because if there was a race that he was going to be able to point himself in, I would have said the Roval nonstop. He's been, we documented last week, he's been so great on road courses this year. One of the best in NASCAR, except for Chase. His stats are up there, and he just completely lays an egg. Spins himself out. He, he even saw that on the replay when he was talking with the with the post-race interview. He thought he might have got bumped and read it and said, nope, or watched it and said, no, 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 that was actually my fault. Um, finishes like in the 20th, 21st maybe. Just a, a unbelievably shocking turn of events for Sindrick to not be able to point himself in when he had that spot. Then you've got Briscoe. So then it became Briscoe's race to lose. And we're going to talk about Cole Custer in the Phil's Fired Up section and what happened there. But um, Briscoe ends up getting in, knocking out Sindrick, who had his chance to pull himself in, and then Larson, who wrecked himself earlier. So was this all manufactured drama? If it is, it makes it really, really tough to come on here each week and talk about betting on this sport because, you know, like I said, before all that went down, everything was playing out right into the gambler's hands. We made good picks. We called out picks that were educated, that had data behind it, that had the gut feelings behind it that you would want, and they were working out perfectly. And then NASCAR, so it seems, kind of sticks its nose into this and gets in the way. So how could you feel comfortable moving forward with the rest of these races? We've got Martinsville coming up. That's a short track. You know, we'll talk about it when we get there. You know, there's obviously a couple different uh, bullet points we need to talk about with that race from what we saw in the spring. But 
the the fact remains, you know, does NASCAR do it there? You know what I mean? We we saw the chaos at, at Texas, which I don't know whose fault really that was, but how could you feel comfortable each week betting on this sport? It really is a kick to the gut. It really feels that way. If that was actually decided on um, to be a, a manufactured drama situation, it, it's a shame. It really is a shame. Now, um, I may just be a little bit better because I was due for a, a monumental day and it didn't work out. So you're going to have to take with what with what I'm saying with a grain of salt. Uh, but in any case, that's how it played out. We hit the Bell Top Toyota. We hit the Busher Top 10 and, and nothing else after we were in uh, great shape before the sign came into play. So we're putting the Revel in the rearview mirror. And, you know, there's NASCAR is going to have to make a decision. I mean, I guess this is a, another reason we talked about this with Texas releasing the schedule so early. If this race went green, you're going to have the people that say, well, this was such a boring race, you know, for a cutoff race. Why do we want this in here? And there's that to it as well. And then you've got this crazy drama that NASCAR potentially put together. I keep saying it as if it's fact. It might not be fact. I'm just kind of telling you how I feel. So either way, the Roval, yeah, it's kind of rubbing people the wrong way. But yet it's already locked in to be a cutoff race for next year. This is another reason why they should probably hold off on the schedule until after the season's over. But again, just my opinion. So let's talk about the playoff picture. We've got Kyle Larson out. It feels super weird to have a round of eight without Kyle Larson. He's been a, a decent car all year, defending champion out already. It just, you know, highlights a super wild season that we've had, you know. So then we've got Chase, who seems like an obvious choice for the round of four. He's got uh, almost a full race lead on the points. Now, one race could put him down into the mud with the rest of these guys, but if he goes out and has a good race at Vegas, well, then it's going to get a lot tougher to, to bring him down into the muck. So Chase, you could probably pencil him in to the round of four at this point. So then you're trying to say, all right, well, who are the other four guys? People seem to love Denny Hamlin right now. We're going to talk a lot about Hamlin on this podcast more towards the the head-to-head section because a lot of people were kind of penciling him in. He's a huge favorite for this race right now. So I'll just say, okay, let's pencil Hamlin in. You know, if that's what people are kind of saying, I'll give you that. So then it's a few other guys. Who are you taking to finish those last two spots? I think today, this episode, this race for Vegas is going to play a huge factor because I'm calling a couple guys out who I think have a – really good shot to win this race, which would then clinch them into the championship, which you have to be aware of that. Any win at this point from a playoff driver, no matter who you are, you're locked in to that championship race. So um, guys that are floating around in that area, Christopher Bell, how can you ignore him after what he just did? He's plus in the uh, playoff points right now, plus three. He's in over the bubble. You've got Ryan Blaney, who we're going to be talking about, and Ross Chastain. Those three guys, I think, are the best three to kind of battle for those last two spots if Chase and Denny are, as people think, locked in. So um, I've been loving it. I've been taking a ton of free bets. I've been getting $10 bets, $25, $50, $100 free bets on various sports books, and I've just been throwing them throughout the second half of the season on drivers to win the championship. And I did not. I don't know why. I never threw one on Kyle Larson. So I feel like that's a win for me for some reason. 
but uh, just really weird that I didn't do that and I don't have to kind of eat that free bet. But I've got seven of the championship eight and Briscoe is the only one that I don't have money on a free bet or multiple free bets. I've thrown a ton of free bets on Chase just to kind of get that number up. Um, so I'm, I'm feeling pretty good about the championship. None of them are, are crazy odds. I mean, I know we've got friends out there who have monster odds on people like Ross Chastain. Um, I've got a 12 to 1 ticket on Blaney and Logano from earlier in the season, um, but nothing monstrous. But still, feel like you have dogs in that fight to kind of root for. So season bets I wanted to touch on because Christopher Bell winning, if you tailed some of the season bets that we placed before the you know 2022 year got started, we had that preview episode. Um, this was an interesting one because Christopher Bell winning helps the Gibbs bet because we've got Gibbs over under, we've got the over 8.5 wins. Well, that gets them up to six. So it's still very, very unlikely they would have to win three of these next four races in order for that one to hit. So you're going to need a Gibbs driver in the championship and, and winning the title and then Vegas and then one of the other two, Homestead or Martinsville. Um, very unlikely, but not totally 100% locked out yet. Then I've got a head-to-head season win total matchup with Tyler Reddick and Christopher Bell. And this one has turned into a slobber knocker because Tyler Reddick winning at Texas the other week took it up to a 3-1 lead. Now it's 3-2 and Christopher Bell being in the hunt is going to make that super interesting. I was feeling very confident in that one and uh, now not so much. So um, that win really meant a lot to the season win total bets that the podcast put out there early in the year. And then just to comment on another one, Penske is not dead yet because Logano and Blaney still being out there. They've got three wins as a group so far, four and a half. I just need two more of these next four. Not looking great as well, but hey, drama could unfold and it's just something else to cheer for as these four races go on to finish this year. So let's move forward then to Las Vegas. And you may remember, this is the race that Alex Bowman won earlier in the spring. This was a time when Hendrick Motorsports was just dominating. Um, They won four races in a row, I think, at this point in the season. They had figured this car out before everyone. Chevy had dominated. You know, it was kind of a a question mark how things were going to go on the mile and a half. This was the first mile and a half track of the next gen car and everyone was kind of worried about, Hey, what's it going to look like? And people were generally happy about the way it turned out at Vegas. A lot of Chevys in that top five. So it was, like I said, Hendrick and Chevy figuring that car out. It was a long time ago. Now we will be using that data. We'll get to that in a second, but, um, you know, 1.5 mile high speed track, you know, the first one of the year, it meant a lot to see that success that the next-gen car had and and who could figure stuff out sooner. Now, I think things have changed. The pendulum has swung on the mile-and-a-halves from back in the spring. I I guess that was a March race when we were out at Vegas last time. Um, And Bowman himself, I mean, he was the winner. At this point in time, I'm recording this on a Wednesday, and he is still, you know, dealing with concussion protocol. It seems like he's in the race, but he was out the last two races with that concussion So 
you know, you would typically think, well, he, he'll be a factor because he was the previous winner. Maybe throw a little top five on him or a head-to-head, but tough to do so coming back from that injury. And who knows if he'll bail the night before. So it makes it kind of a, another question mark there um, for him. So let's take a look at the track stats because they are a little bit interesting here. 29 races in the Cup Series lifetime for the Las Vegas Motor Speedway. The winner has only started from the pole one time, and it was Kyle Busch back in 2009. So I'm going to talk about how to approach practice and qualifying in just a second, but that's a pretty big stat there. The pole winner doesn't necessarily mean much. Starting in the top five, 35%, and starting in the top 10, 57%. So if you listen to this podcast often, you would know that those numbers are low, very low. Usually we're seeing starting in the top five, the winner wins, the, or yeah, the winner starts in the top five, right around 50%, 35% is quite low and starting in the top 10 is usually around that 75 you know three that a four mark but 57 so much lower than we're used to seeing on other tracks even other mile and a halves the winner starting outside the top 20 it's happened five times the last time it happened was martin truex jr in 2019 so five out of 29 times the winner has started outside of the top 20 way more times then they started from the pole, which is another interesting tidbit about this racetrack. Manufacturer trends, Ford had a stranglehold on this track for a little while, and it's starting to fade. So they've got now four wins in the last 10 races here, but they're O for their last four. So a little further back. Um, now Chevy has seemed to be the one recently who has come through. They've won three of the last four races. So those are your manufacturer trends there. Now with those stats... The question is usually like, okay, I need to wait and see how qualifying looks before you can play some bets. And I do still feel that way, especially just with this like weird aura that we've got going on right now in NASCAR betting, it, the way things have unfolded on the tracks. I definitely want to wait and see how qualifying goes. But more importantly, I want to see how practice goes. I want to see who's fast in practice. That will definitely dictate some bets. You know, it's going to be a lot less, not like in other racetracks where, you know, okay, if there's a guy who's like 19th, I'm going to fade that guy. I'm not going to take him to win outright. That's not necessarily what I'm talking about here. I just want to see what manufacturers are fast, what teams are fast. You know, if, if you're looking at track house, if Suarez is, is super fast, and Chastain is super slow. Like, what's going on there? If the whole Penske crew is fast, okay, great. You know, that's something to look for. Um, those are the types of things that I'm looking for in practice and in qualifying as well. Not necessarily where they finish in qualifying. So, with that, you know, I mentioned Chevy being good recently at this track. And I think I did mention early on in the spring race, they had four of the top five drivers. They did finish one, two, three earlier, which is a prop bet that we will get to later. So for this track, what are we looking at here? Well, I'm looking at the last 10 races at Las Vegas. That's important. I think it's good to know who's good on these mile and a half because the reason why people love this last round before the cutoff for the championship is because there's a lot less drama, right? Unless NASCAR puts it in there. But we've got Talladega and, and one of these and, and Bristol Night Race and, you know, these other rounds. This is pretty straightforward. It's a very racy round. We've got a mile and a half here at Vegas. We've got a homestead track that 
everybody seems to love. It's a good racers track. And then you've got Martinsville, which, you know, will definitely be tough to pass and we'll see what happens there. But this is one where the driver really can get it done or the teams can go out and who's the best right now. So that's why people like it. So I need to know who's good at this racetrack. But in addition to that, we do have some data from the 2022 season that could help us steer ourselves in the right direction. So we've got five races to add to the data set here on mile and a half tracks this season. Two races at Kansas, one Vegas. We've got a Charlotte and a Texas race that was an absolute dumpster fire. But, um, you know, so you may not want to use that, but I think it's still worth throwing in. The more data we can have, the better. So looking at things like average finish and track speed, total speed for 2022 on these types of tracks. So a um, lot of information to absorb and a lot of things to try to guide us the right direction. And I mentioned Denny Hamlin is your favorite going into this race, and it's a monster favorite. He's plus 550, whereas the next guy on the list is around plus 800. So like I said, people love Denny Hamlin right now to make the championship four, and they love him in this race. Now, for me... Because things have just unfolded really weird this playoff season, I am not looking at Hamlin for an outright. I think those odds are a little bit too short for me. I'm looking at guys, like I said, my theme on this episode for the outright picks are good, better value, you know, than we're, we're seeing with Hamlin and guys who have potential here to figure it out and really put themselves in a good position. So uh, we're going to start with Ross Chastain. He's plus 900, so 9 to 1. And I'm looking for guys, like I said, with some decent odds. And I think 9 to 1, compared to what we're looking at some of these other drivers, is pretty decent for what we're getting with Ross Chastain. He struggled at the Roval, hitting the wall, really just could not come back from that. And that put a damper on his day. But He's been strong enough in these playoffs to stay in the championship hunt. He was able to point his way in, even with a disastrous day. And that right there is something that, you know, clicks for me as a team that's able to kind of overcome some stuff, right? You're, you've been strong enough all year, all playoffs to overcome a bad race in a cutoff race, no less. So, he doesn't have much comparable Vegas experience, right? Because he's been driving ship boxes all the way up until he's at Chip Ganassi. And so 2022 is what really we're looking at with Ross Chastain to try to mount a reason why we like him. I would imagine that there are going to be a lot of people that are kind of in on Ross Chastain this week. I'm sure he'll be mentioned throughout, you know, all sorts of gambling conversations this week and even on the broadcast. This is a huge shot for this team. The 99 is out. They're eliminated. I think they thought that they would have two teams in at this point. So with them being out, it's really going to be a situation where it's a, a quote-unquote smaller team putting all of their resources in on the one team, whatever that means. For other teams, it's meant moving pit crew members or, you know, just dollars over to the certain teams. We've seen it with Denny Hamlin getting Kyle Busch's pit crew and things like that. So I think we can expect that from this one team. It's kind of all or nothing at this point. They talked earlier in the season about how they thought they would have two teams in the round of eight. 
everyone kind of laughed at them, and they thought they would have a team in the championship four. Everyone laughed at that as well earlier in the season. Well, now it seems like kind of a disappointment that they don't have two teams in the round of eight. So um, look for Ross to make an impact in this round, and I think this is an opportunity. Like I said, he could figure it out, and all of a sudden he's locked in because his numbers this season on these mile-and-a-halves are very good. We're talking like one of the best in NASCAR right now on mile and a half. His average finish this season is second, 9.0. He's finished third in the spring race at Vegas. Obviously, I mentioned his Vegas uh, average finish isn't that good because he's not been driving good vehicles, but he's finally in a good car. He goes out and finishes third. Finished seventh at Kansas both times in that race. So this needs to be a situation where they need to be all in. They're looking at the structure of these playoffs. They see that this car has been fast on the mile and a half, and this is a great shot for them. So go out and get it done. So because I would have to imagine they are going to be all in on this race, I need to be as well. I mean, I like fast cars that have been proven in a season to be good at certain tracks. So plus 900 seems pretty damn good to me. As far as the, you know, getting wrecked and revenge type of thing, we talked about that a little bit last week on NASCAR Gambling Preview Show. And I think that we've seen proof that that's not going to happen. These guys are not going to really take each other out. Uh, no one's going to extract revenge on Ross. You know, I'm saying that with Denny in mind. When they're both involved fighting for a championship, I think that would be just bad news. And we've seen it, right? Because Denny hasn't done it yet. So this is uh, not a track where, you know, I don't think he's going to do something intentional. If it happens unintentionally, then that's a different story. So I don't think anybody's taking him out. I feel comfortable taking him 9-1. to one. He's been a fast car. So let's lock it in and see if he can be the first one to get into the championship. Next guy that I have in mind is a similar situation. These next two guys actually are in a similar boat, but one in a better boat than others. It's Ryan Blaney, 10 to 1, plus 1,000. And I feel so confident in Ryan Blaney making the round of four. I, you know, if you think about his season, it's just been so weird, right? Because he hasn't won a race yet. We know this. And he's been close, finished second a few times. He goes out and wins the All-Star race. Of course, that means nothing absolute shit to win that and it would be so 2022 if denny excuse me if ryan blaney goes the whole season without winning a race and then makes it to the championship and then wins the championship without winning the race like that would be unbelievably on brand for this playoff season this year has been wonky that would be just picture perfect um, and i'm saying that with sarcasm because obviously, you know, we don't want that to take place. We want the championship winner to actually go win a race. We want our champion to have won a race <laughs> in a year. Uh, but, hey, that's kind of the situation that we're in. But I think Blaney sets up good for this track. He, he really intrigues me. So I, I think this is his opportunity to get that monkey off his back, go out, win a race, then you're locked in to the Final Four, and they can just focus on Phoenix at that point. Because... This is a racetrack where he's been pretty good. Last 10 races, he doesn't have a win, but he's got five top fives, seven top tens. He's got a pole here. His average finish is sixth, 10.8. He crashed in the springtime, 
So when we were here earlier in the spring, he crashed, and that jukes that average finish stat just a little bit. He's plus 130, by the way, to finish top five. We'll touch on that in a second, but that's uh, not too shabby. He's 50% there. Driver rating, 99.9. That's sixth in NASCAR. So at Vegas, we're trying to prove the point that he's not bad at this track. He's, you know, kind of along for the ride with Ford. When Ford was really good, so was, really, so was Ryan Blaney. So that's where we're at. In 2022, his average finish is just garbage on these mile and a half. He has not been getting the finishes that he deserves, but the speed has been there. Third in total speed at mile and a half tracks. So that is just insane. 6.0 is his average speed ranking on mile and a half tracks. Then you look at his average finish, you're like, well, what's going on? He's getting caught up in wrecks. Things are just going poorly. And that's really contributing to the fact that he doesn't have a win this year, even though he's got fast cars. So this is a track where Ford used to be dominant. Can they capture that magic? It's Who's to say? It's impossible. I think Ryan Blaney at 10 to 1 is good value for someone who has good track experience here, good speed this season. Can he get the finish? If he can, I think it could be in victory lane. So 10 to 1 for Blaney. And the last guy that I'm calling out is a 12 to 1 driver plus 1,200 for another driver who does not have a victory. And we're talking about Martin Truex Jr. Obviously, he doesn't have any wins either, but it's not out of the question for a driver like this to be out of the playoffs and then go snag a win. I'm thinking about Kyle Busch at Texas. If you remember a few years ago, Kyle, just like Truex, went the whole season without a victory, was no longer in the playoffs, and then he absolutely stuns everyone and goes out and gets it done at Texas. So he keeps that streak alive that he had of winning a race in every year. Truex, this sets up for him as well. I mean, this is his best shot potentially. Well, Martinsville, but Martinsville was uh, really strange earlier in the year. So tough to say that, you know, he's locked in as a, a favorite to win that race. He's solid at Vegas. I mean, he's got a great shot here. Is, is this his best shot? It very well could be. Looking at it here, this is what we're looking for, all right? A combination of Vegas stats and this season. Last 10 races at Vegas, he's got two victories, six top fives, nine top tens. Plus 150 for a top five, by the way. Uh, his average finish at this track is second, 5.9, and his driver rating is first, 112.4, which is funny because we talked about how Ford was dominant for a while. Then it's Chevy. Well, he's a Toyota driver, and he's putting up these stats as a Toyota driver in that same you know 10 race span. So pretty interesting that he's been that good. In 2022, he's been very solid on these mile and a half tracks. I mean, Toyota as a company has really, you know, kind of taken over. I mentioned the pendulum swinging from Chevy. It, it's really landed on Toyota um, really after the Vegas race. His average finish on mile and a half tracks is six, 12.4 is that average finish. And his total speed is second, 5.8. In Vegas earlier this season, his total speed was third out of everyone. And he was the fastest driver late in a run. That is impressive. He finished eighth in that race. So he's a non-playoff guy. Does that matter? I don't think so. It really, I think, was proven earlier in this playoffs that it doesn't matter. But Truex really looking for that victory. I think he can take a swing. 
you know, and, and maybe he does end up like Kyle Busch a few years ago, getting his first win in the round of eight for the season. So um, 12 to 1, good odds for a, a guy, like I said, good Vegas stats, probably the best Vegas stats of everyone, you could say, and then really solid speed numbers on these mile and a half tracks. So Truex, 12 to 1, Blaney, 10 to 1, and Ross Chastain, 9 to 1. These are the guys who have a really good shot of figuring it out for themselves, setting themselves up for success, and, well, two of them could lock their way in to the championship. Vegas, baby! Vegas! Next up, we've got the finishing position segment here, and as I said in the intro, I'm not loving what we're seeing right now for finishing position bets, especially the top 10 market. It just really sucks this week. Um, not seeing great odds on anyone really at all. Um, we've got 13 drivers who are minus money, and there's a drop-off from Bowman, who's the 13th driver, I guess, on the odds board um, that they like most, and he's minus 140. Then a huge drop-off to the plus-money drivers, starting with the first guy I'm going to call out here. But I, I don't love anything about this. I, I don't think the odds are really doing us much favors. Now, I'm looking at DraftKings uh, because they're usually the first ones out. We still need to see what some of these other books put out there for top tens as far as their, their markets go and what their odds are going to tell us. So maybe Barstool can come through for us for some of these drivers and, and get us better values for guys because I'm, I'm not going to dismiss people who are minus money as long as it's reasonable. I mean, minus 180, some of these drivers are ridiculous. Minus 400, minus 300. That's not something that is going to wet my whistle, but you know, maybe minus 125, minus 130 for certain drivers. I could get behind that. You know, we got Bubba Wallace who's minus 150 on DraftKings. That dog just won't hunt. So I need something better than that. Um, so these guys, I'm going to call out for a top 10. I'm not in love with it, but um, you know, it's worth calling out. More so, just putting it out there to see if anyone out there, if you're listening to this and and you like it or you hate it. Let me know. Send me a message at Full Tank Phil on Twitter and Instagram. I'd love to hear your thoughts. So the first guy I'm going to call out is the first guy that's plus money. He's plus 100, and it's Chase Briscoe. Yeah, he's a playoff driver. No one, and I mean no one, thinks that they have a chance to advance to the round of four. And, well, they just might be right. But looking at their chances here... You'd have to say that they need to run, if they have a prayer, they need to run clean races and they absolutely need to be in the top 10. So I'm imagining that they're setting up a strategy similar to that, um, where they're, they're figuring out ways where they can just kind of point themselves in a good spot so that, you know, at Martinsville, maybe they take a, a little bit more of a swing. But looking at this here, he's 12th in average finish on these mile and a half tracks this year. So he had trouble in the spring race at Vegas, but um, 12th overall on average finish, that is pretty good compared to everyone in NASCAR. Now he'll need a clean run. He, 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 you know, they have a prayer. You absolutely need to run clean. They finished 14th last year at Vegas. So that was a, a decent finish. His best finish at Vegas in the cup series. He had 14th best speed in the spring before he ran into some trouble. So nothing that's really crazy good. Um, I would expect, again, this is going to the fact that these odds are, are just trash. I would expect Briscoe to be like more like 
plus 200, plus 250 from the stats that we're seeing here. But because he's in the playoffs, I think we're getting um, a little bit screwed here, but still plus 100. If I'm going to take a driver, you know, a, a swing on somebody, it'll be somebody like this. He finished fifth at Texas. So the last time we were at a mile and a half track, he was able to avoid all that bullshit and finished fifth. So a top five there, decent momentum. And, you know, can they keep the car clean? If they can keep the car clean, maybe they're able to avoid some drama if it goes down and sneak into the top 10. Because that's their only chance in hell. I, I like betting with teams' strategies, right? We kind of did that last week with Bell, and that worked out for us. Um, this week, Briscoe needs to keep it clean. He's not in a huge swing situation. He's only down by, like, seven points or something like that. So just keep it clean, put in the top 10, and then move on to next week. So if he does that, plus 100 would you know reap benefits for us as the gambler. Like I said, not in love with it, but I'm just trying to make a case for something that's a little better value than minus 200. Um, now the next guy, you know, you might chuckle at this one because I, I certainly was when I was writing down my notes here. It's Ricky Stenhouse Jr. at plus 700. There are drivers that are shorter than that to win the race. Stenhouse just needs to finish in the top 10. So obviously this is a moonshot, but I made the same case, I think, last time we went to Kansas. I think it was Kansas or, or Texas, one of those recently. And the reason for that was because in 2022, he's got five top 10 finishes. He actually had a, a stretch earlier in the season where he was running very well. He had four of those top 10s really right in a row. And two of them were Charlotte and Kansas. So two of his five top 10 finishes came on these mile and a half tracks, which is something that I think matters when we're talking about going you know, to Vegas, another mile and a half track. Um, so that was actually his last top 10 was Charlotte. That's how long it's been. So like I said, he, his only real success in 2022 came in that stretch right around Kansas and Charlotte and, and right before it. So since Charlotte, he has not had a top 10. So of course, my mind is thinking, well, if he's going to get a top 10, why wouldn't it be on another mile and a half track? Um, now at Vegas, in his last 10 races, he has two top 10 finishes. He's got four top 15s in that time span for, you know, trying to tell you 40% of the time he, he's right around it. Um, and five races ago, he finished third. So Vegas, I feel like... Or, not just I feel like, looking at the finishes from Vegas and, and you know previous races, we see consistently there's one or two guys who I would consider wonky, right? That probably shouldn't be there. And so this week, it's about trying to predict who that guy or, or guys is going to be. And I think he's sort of in this position to set himself up. So I'm not saying I'm in love with it. But if I'm going to take a moonshot on someone to sneak into the top 10, to be one of those wonky guys, plus 700 on Stenhouse, you know, I'm fine with that. And if he goes out and he runs 25th, whatever. I, I took a swing and it didn't pay off. But uh, top 10 for Stenhouse, he, he had success this year on these types of racetracks. He's had some success at Vegas. Why not? Why not take a little bit of a swing here to have some fun? So... I wouldn't recommend it if you're throwing the mortgage on it, but if you have some money to play with and have a little fun, Ricky Stenhouse plus 700. So now we want to talk about some of these props because 
The one-two finish prop has been very successful for us at these mile-and-a-half racetracks. So that's basically telling you that the teams that figure it out really figure it out. So like I said, I documented this earlier. At Vegas, it was Chevy. They finished one, two, three. And there's a prop actually out there that says any manufacturer can finish one, two, three. And I believe that's plus 380 right now. Now, Chevy is plus 325 to finish one, two. Toyota is finished, excuse me, they're plus 500 to finish one, two. And Ford is plus 1500. Now, the reason for that is because Ford just hasn't been great on these mile and a half this season. But if there's a track that Ford could do it, it would be Vegas because they were so strong here for so many years. It would be Vegas that they could come back to life. So 1,500, that's wild. Especially when you look and see they didn't win the race at Texas, but they had three drivers in the top five. So, you know, recency bias, maybe they're starting to figure it out. They avoided the chaos there a little bit. They didn't get the, the win. You need to finish one, two to make this happen, but maybe they're starting to turn things around. I don't know. That's an interesting little tidbit there. And Toyota has had this bet completely locked down. I mean, Kansas was an absolute party. They were they were all running there in, in Kansas. Um, we hit that bet. Charlotte, they finished one, two. I mean, it's been fantastic both kansas races you know they won um it's just been great for toyota that program has finished really well in these mile and a half they figured it out so toyota plus 500 makes a lot of sense to me and if you remember that kansas race the second kansas race rather they looked horrible in practice and qualifying and then went out and dominated i think they finished one two three in that race so um, don't let that stuff confuse you. Toyotas are definitely on in. Plus 500 is really tasty to me, especially when their one driver is a huge favorite to win. So if you go by the books and the favorite goes out and dominates, well, then you just need one of these other guys, Christopher Bell, anybody, Martin Truex, anybody. Uh, these guys just follow in his footsteps there and you're locking in a plus 500 bet now. Um, that's probably my favorite one out of everybody. Uh, the plus 1500 is, is, you know, super intriguing. The, the ones, people out there that love the moonshots, that's one that would be uh, very fun to hit. But if you're looking at my favorite bet there, it'd be Toyota plus 500 in that prop. I think they go out and they do it again. I really do. They've been so dominant. Why back off now? So, yeah, like I said, this segment, not too great from the books. They're, they're not really giving us much, and which could end up being fine. So the bets that I like here, most of all, if you're going to throw something down, it's Briscoe, playoff driver, the the super long shot, the Cinderella story, plus 100 to finish top 10. Ricky Stenhouse, complete moon shot to finish top 10, plus 700. And then the one-two finishes. I think you should look at all of them, but my favorite of all is Toyota plus 500. So we'll see what happens this week at Vegas on these moon shots. Jimmy Dugan? Yeah. Can you sound my baseball? Sure. There. Yeah. Wow. Avoid the clap, Jimmy Dugan. Wow. That's good advice. Next up, we've got the head-to-head matchup section. So no full tank face-off this week. I lost once again in the full tank face-off last week to Speedway Steve. Phil and Steve came. They got the job done um, in a two-to-one matchup there. So, you know, reeling a little bit from that. But I'm solo this week, so I'll just talk about some conversations 
around the head-to-head props this week and, and what we're seeing here from DraftKings matchups because I think I, I want to know what other people are now. NASCAR betting preview show Wednesday nights at 8 o'clock. That's a great opportunity to kind of bounce things off of um, other people on the panel and people that are listening to kind of get their opinions on things. But I think this week we're seeing some value in some of these underdogs, in these matchups. I, I don't quite understand some of them. Some monster favorites. And so when I see that, my mind immediately goes to, well, hey, should I be fading the favorite in that matchup? You know, we're seeing, well, there's one matchup. Chase Briscoe is plus 185 against William Byron, minus 225. I can't remember the last time we've saw a, a matchup like that. It might have been the Coke 600, uh, Blaney versus Chassain at that point, if I remember correctly. Um, that is just monstrous. And to, to remember that one, Blaney beat him by one spot. So when we see these things, it just gets my mind going like, wow, why wouldn't I look hard at these value drivers here? So to start things off, I, I mentioned that we're going to talk about Denny Hamlin. I didn't take him as an outright. I didn't love the, the value there. And he very well could go out, dominate practice, dominate qualifying, and just run circles around these guys and win this race easily. That easily could happen. But head-to-head matchups, all you need to do is beat one guy. He is matched up against a few different people. So to start things off for the head-to-head section, we're going to do a little something that I'm calling the people versus Denny Hamlin. All right, so thank you for joining my courtroom here. And we've got two victims here, uh, two plaintiffs, if you will, because they are being absolutely scorched by these sports books and Denny Hamlin. Um, so everyone's penciling him into victory lane. Maybe, you know, because his outright odds are so short that these head-to-head odds just kind of had to, like the algorithm just played it out that way. But the first plaintiff, I guess you would say, is Ross Chastain. He's getting plus 140 against Denny Hamlin. And I already highlighted a ton of the reasons why we like Ross to potentially win this outright. Um, And if you think that he can win the race outright, of course I would take Ross plus 140, Your Honor. I mean, it doesn't make much sense to look away from this matchup. Now, obviously, they, they love this matchup because these two have beef. Um, Ross, I guess if you want to take the, the Denny stance, he's been kind of just minding his P's and Q's. He's been pointing his way in, but I think this team realizes like now is the time to go. They've been good enough to get to this point. Now is when we're, we're stopped holding back and we're going to go. And if you're looking at Ross's numbers, his speed is better than Denny Hamlin this season. His average finish on these mile and a half tracks is better than Denny Hamlin. You're getting huge value. Obviously, Hamlin's success at Vegas is much better than Ross's, but that's because Ross hasn't had a a comparable race car like he's in right now. So I don't know why anyone would give up the minus 200 odds that you're getting here uh, for Denny and roll with that. It doesn't make much sense. So I'm really making the case here that I think Ross could win the race, 
and therefore plus 140 to beat Denny Hamlin in this matchup makes sense. It really, I can't avoid this huge plus money because we saw it last week, um, for example, with Sindrick and Briscoe. Briscoe was plus huge money going into that race after qualifying, and, and he goes out and he wins that matchup. So uh, plus 140 for Ross. This seems very doable. So he is the first plaintiff here that we're going to say against Denny Hamlin has a really good shot. My next plaintiff, Your Honor, is Christopher Bell. He's getting plus 130. And they're both part, part of the Toyota camp. They're both Toyotas that are in the playoffs. Christopher Bell has all of this momentum. Now, looking at the mile-and-a-half tracks, average finish is 9.8 to 11.4. That advantage goes to Hamlin. But what we're trying to call out there is it's not that much better, right? Not that much better at all. Uh, total speed, fourth to ninth in favor of Hamlin. So, again, you know, rightfully so, he is the favorite. I mean, he's favorite for a reason. But plus 130 it's just too juicy for me, who's someone who is not that far off of Denny, right? I would think that this would be a little bit more, maybe like plus 100. Plus 130, that's damn good. He finished 10th in the spring. He started from the pole on mile and a half this season. Chris Avril has three top fives, four top tens. I mean, he's going to be a factor in this race. Really think so. I mean, you go back to um, the first round of the playoffs, and we talked about how Christopher Bell was dominant in that round. Well, there was a mile-and-a-half track, and there it was Kansas. So he is definitely someone not to write off here at plus 130 against Denny Hamlin. So um, both of these drivers, you could, if you fade Denny here, and I'm, again, I'm not saying that Denny is going to falter, but if you take both of these drivers at their respected odds and – Denny has an issue, right? Tire goes down or engine blows up or his car catches fire, as we've seen, then you're locked in. Just all you got to do is beat one driver. So the, the fade Denny train was successful early in the year. I'm not saying that that train is back at the station, but in this scenario, these huge underdogs, the monster short money for Denny Hamlin in these matchups just really gets my attention. So Ross Chastain plus 140, Christopher Bell plus 130. I like it. So now we'll move on to another matchup, and it's another value matchup. It's Chase Elliott, who's minus 150 versus Joey Logano. So I understand that Chase has been the most consistent driver throughout the year, you know, in the entire sport. He's running championship form for a long time now. It's one of those deals where he doesn't practice well, he doesn't qualify well, but he somehow finds his way into the top five towards the end of the race. He, he's just had that type of season going on, which is why I think a lot of people think that he's going to win the championship. Great. That's fine. But he only has one top 10 this season on the mile and a half tracks. He finished ninth at Vegas. That was his only mile-and-a-half top 10 this season. His average finish on the mile-and-a-half tracks in 2022 is 24.6. He's had good speed, seventh overall, the aggregate speed total. But he's not getting those finishes that you would think Chase Elliott would get and any driver would get with that type of speed. Vegas has been a similar situation for him. He's fifth in driver rating, which is damn good, but his average finish... 
doesn't tell that story. It's 11th. So typically, I like drivers with a better driver rating than the average finish because, you know, tells you that they are just getting unlucky. But it's kind of been, uh, you could really make a case that it's not going to change his luck this week. It's really the season and the history at this racetrack. I'm scared of Chase. And to see that he's minus 150 is just kind of shocking. Now you look at Logano, who's getting plus 130. I mean, he's right there with Chase as far as speed on these mile and a half. He's 11th this season, and he's got a much, much better average finish than Elliott on the mile and a half tracks. He's 14.0. That's 10 average positions higher. And Logano has a 3-2 lead in the series this year on mile and a half tracks. At Vegas, he's phenomenal. Two wins, four top fives, seven top tens. Fourth and average finish, 7.0. It seems like he's the pick here. He's got decent stats in 2022. Phenomenal Vegas stats. And he's plus 130. Again, I'm looking for value here. Maybe chalk wins. Right? Maybe Chalk goes out and, and Hamlin dominates and Elliott dominates, but uh, I'm banking on the wonkiness of the season to continue, and I'm going to try to cash in on some of these super value picks here head-to-head. You don't see this very often where a lot of these head-to-heads are giving you super value. The last one that I just want to call out is an even odds pick. And it's Martin Truex Jr. versus Kyle Busch. So the stats are kind of tough to compare here because Kyle has been outstanding earlier in the year on these mile-and-a-half racetracks. He's really been untouchable. His first three races, he finished fourth, third, and second. But then things have changed for Kyle drastically on the racetrack and off the racetrack. His final two finishes of the mile-and-a-half segment is 26 and 36. And his whole attitude has completely shifted in terms of you know where he is and what he's going through off the track. Um, now, he somehow managed to finish third at the Roval, but I think that was only really to do to chaos. Um, he's got good numbers at Vegas, but Truex's numbers are better, as we outlined earlier. I mean, we called out Truex with the potential to win this race. He could sneak into it here. And his you know, total speed, Truex inches him out there as well in 2022. So Truex going for that win. Kyle... He's just in a mindset now where he'll just quit at the first sign of trouble. I mean, we've seen it all playoffs. So that's really where we're at right now with Kyle. This is more of a fade Kyle and his attitude and just like his willingness to just get the season over with. And he's going up against someone who I think his pride and his ego really wants to snag a victory here before this year is out. So Truex minus 110 is the little one that I'll toss in there, knocking on wood, late in this season. So to wrap it up, We've got that one. Truex over Kyle Busch. I like Logano, plus 130 over Elliott as a value pick. And then the people versus Hamlin. Ross Chastain, plus 140. Christopher Bell, plus 130. Some big value picks here if it all works out. So now we've reached the point of the podcast that I like to call Phil's Fired Up. Now, when I have guests on... I don't do this part because, you know, I I love talking to the guests and um, that segment usually runs pretty long and I don't want to make the episode even longer. But when I'm solo like this, and this might be my last solo episode of the year, I'm not sure uh, who we have lined up to to finish out the season, but um, I want to just take this opportunity to call out some things that are good, bad, and ugly 
and just kind of get things off my chest because I have certain feelings about certain things and I want people to give me feedback and kind of keep me in check if I'm out of line. So I want to start with the good things, good things that I'm fired up about. We've got something planned for Sunday with the crew from the NASCAR betting preview show um, where we're going to do another live stream event. So we all got together for the Daytona race in person. I got to meet Derek, who who I'd met before, but he organized everything around his hometown. Got to hang out with him. Got to meet Skybox NASCAR Mark. I got to meet Rory Picks. Um, met Chris from the Flag Hunting Pod for the first time. Seth from In Between Media. We all got together and we did a live show for the Daytona race. And obviously that race with the rain and everything, you know, made it a little tough on us. Um, but we still persevered and we had a great time and I thought we put out a good product. Well, we realized in that moment that we could do this a little more often and we don't have to be next to each other to make it work. So we wanted to do one more at least for the season and, and Derek's the one running the show. If you follow him at Picks by Blaze, you'll see a really cool preview that he put together, um, a little trailer for the live stream event. So we are going to be doing that once again for Vegas. So we'll be hopping in um, virtually this time, but we'll be watching the race together and, and talking about our picks, talking about any live bets that we like, seeing this race unfold together live and commenting on it. And the fun thing about it is, I mean, what I remember what was really cool about the Daytona um, event was anybody that wanted to hop in and watch and listen to us, we were, you know, chatting with people in the, the chat um, throughout the time and we're going to have guests. So there's just a, a lot of fun things that we'll get into. So if you are going to be watching the race, feel free to pull us up on your phone and give us a look as well. See what we're throwing in live or what we're talking about as the race unfolds. Um, if there's controversy, you know that we're going to be talking about it. My Sunday is going to be wild. I'm supposed to be lined up to be on a, another podcast Sunday morning and then uh, not NASCAR related. And then you know, the Phillies, my, my baseball team, potentially could be in a game five situation in the afternoon. And then we've got season tickets to the Eagles. Uh, my sister, who I split the tickets with, has the Cowboys-Eagles game, Sunday Night Football, but I've all week been trying to maneuver uh, stealing them from her. So um, not sure how that's going to go, but with the NASCAR race and the live stream, the Phillies and the Eagles, it's going to be an absolutely wild Sports Sunday for me. Um, so I'm sure we'll be commenting on that stuff on the live stream as well. Just all sorts of uh, sports going on on Sunday. So um, give us a look. I mean, that's what I'm fired up about. I think it's going to be a really fun time. And uh, I thought the people that joined in in the chat who were listening and commenting, I thought they made that really fun. So that's kind of who I'm talking to right now. Anybody that's listening to this, join us um, and be part of the conversation because that I had a blast with um, talking with people that way. So look for that on Instagram and, and Twitter. I'm sure we'll tweet the links out and um, hopefully you can join us. So I'm fired up about that. That's a good thing. Um, something that I guess is bad. So I'm talking about the good, the bad, and the ugly. There's a report this week from The Athletic that the you know revenue sharing model in NASCAR is not looking so good. Um, Hendrick Motorsports is reporting losses this year. And if Hendrick Motorsports is reporting losses, then that is a bad state of affairs for NASCAR. And um, they got a council together and met with seven of the team owners, I guess, 
that, you know, wanted to get their information and try to open up their books, try to see what's going on. Because, you know, NASCAR, it's kind of a, a tit and tat situation. NASCAR trying to think that they are, are saying the teams are kind of holding out on them and they're crying poor and, you know, they're not really um, doing everything they can and they just want more money from NASCAR. And meanwhile, the teams are saying, hey, look at our books. Like we're losing money. What are we supposed to do here? This sport is not sustainable <laughs> for anyone if this model were to continue. So um, that is upsetting to me because they made it seem like for a few years now that this next-gen car was going to really put teams in a great position. We saw all these new teams in the sport uh, just infusing everybody with new blood and, you know, 2311 and Trackhouse and Colleague Racing. It was like, wow, look at all these new teams. Things must be going well. Well, now seeing this is a little upsetting. And this all brings me back to a conversation that I've been having for a while now. And I'm bringing this up again because every time I hear that NASCAR has a money problem, I think of the idea that I've had since 2019 now, which is NASCAR's own book, sports book, just like Twin Spires. I've got an episode that I released in 2019 called Phil Saves NASCAR. If you haven't heard it, please go back through the archives and give that a look because I, I have shared this theory with people in person, online whatever. And even this year, we had a sports book roundtable with the guys I mentioned earlier that I'm going to be on the live stream with and brought it up there as well. So you could listen to that episode and hear it, uh, the abbreviated version of it, where we're using NASCAR's own sports book to generate revenue that they can use to share with the teams. Um, Twin Spires is a, an example of that with horse racing, where it's just one sport and they bring in millions of dollars every year that they can NASCAR could then share amongst the teams as a way to alleviate some of the pain along the way. Um, I have never shared that idea with anyone who has spit back at me and said, that's dumb because. So that's kind of why I'm bringing it up again, because I want somebody to be like, dude, that idea is dumb and you're not thinking of X, Y, and Z. This is why that'll never work. Um, so please like, give it a listen if you haven't done so already. But Every time I hear the money problems, I'm just like, dude, the answer is right in front of you. And it's gambling on NASCAR. Open up your own book and generate revenue a different way. Stop trying to, you know, look. I mean, obviously, the business side of the sport is, you know, much more complicated than I'm making it out to seem. The way the teams operate and, and their hotels for their pit crews and all that and their tires that they're paying for and their parts they're paying for, that's fine. What I'm talking about is another stream of revenue that they could add into that whole mix. And no one seems to care like about anything new to help solve that problem. So um, that's why you know I'm calling this the bad just because I hear it again. And I'm just like, damn, you know, the, to me, it seems obvious. Has anyone looked at it? Um, now we get to the ugly, which is Cole Custer has been fined a hundred thousand dollars and their team has been docked all sorts of owner points. Obviously they're not in the playoffs, but, um, this situation that unfolded on Sunday is mind boggling to me. Just, and I'm hoping that I say this 
and someone can tell me, you know, well, just like what I said before, you're not thinking of this or you're coming across a, as too much of a noob here, Phil, which I don't feel like I am. I feel like I know what I'm talking about. Uh, but the case you were not seeing the situation, Chase Briscoe, after Sindrick got into some trouble, Chase Briscoe was the next guy out to have an opportunity to try to sneak into the playoffs round of eight. And Cole Custer, his teammate, actually moved back a little bit on the racetrack. He, he gave up his spot, but threw some blocks to hold up some of the traffic so that Briscoe could pass them as well. And it actually helped out Briscoe. He did get into the round of eight. So the day of the race, after it was over, they said that they were going to actually look into that situation. They wanted to look at the audio. They wanted to look at the driver data to see if they were going to do anything about it. And my thought was, what the fuck are you going to do? Like, what could you possibly do about that situation? Everybody's mind goes back to the Michael Waltrip racing situation with Clint Boyer, who had an itch on his arm, and he caused a caution to come out to give his teammate a better chance. And Truex was his teammate, and he did get into the playoffs because of it. Now, NASCAR on Sunday said, no matter what we find, the round of eight will not change. They're not going to, you know, if they find something was egregious, they're not going to take Briscoe out and put somebody else in. That's not going to happen. But they looked into it. And they just recently came down on Stuart Haas Racing with those penalties that I said. And they said they looked at the audio. And one of the things from the audio they found was the crew chief told Custer that he looked like he had a flat tire coming or a tire going down. And he needs to check up. And they said that there was no way for the crew chief to be able to see Custer in that point of the race where he was on the track for that to be true. And they also looked at some of the driver data, you know, his steering and things like that. And that played a factor into it as well. My response to that in my head when I first hear that was fuck that. What the fuck? And I'm sorry I'm cursing a lot, but like I'm fired up about it. What in, in a quick thought, what is the point of having a teammate on the racetrack on race day if he can't get in the fucking way of other people on the track for you to help you? Like, it's not like you're throwing a caution on purpose to impact the entire race. Like, that is 100% different. But all Custer did was just get in the way through blocks for his teammate. It's nothing different than what Reddick did at Daytona to help Austin Dillon get into the playoffs. He was basically playing, you know, a fullback situation, making sure no one could get past him. Um, he was throwing blocks left and right. So how could you possibly come down on Cole Custer for this? This makes zero sense to me. And then if you do it, you're, you're giving him the penalty you're basically saying he's in the playoffs because of this scenario, right? So, you know, A plus B equals C. One plus one equals two. But yet, they're not removing Briscoe from the playoffs? Like, none of this makes any sense. They are opening themselves up to a horrible precedence. Like, th to, to be able to give a team a penalty for this is just insane. Insane. And I, that's how I feel. I don't know if other people feel the same way as me, but... I understand the, the purpose of having teammates is to, you know, gather data and everybody's under one roof and you're sharing information and that's what you're doing. But on the racetrack, the day of, everyone's like, well, we're all going for the, the checker flag. Well, guess what? Custer's not. 
And Briscoe is going for a championship. Why can't he race around Briscoe and cause problems for the people around him? What is so bad about that? They're racing. That's that's strategy. I I don't know. And and maybe there's a shot that that's not even what happened on the racetrack. Maybe Custer was just losing it. And he was just in the way like a, a shitbox or something. I, I don't know. But the fact of the matter is the NASCAR gave that penalty. They leveled those penalties. That is so crazy to me. And I think this is just setting up a, a bad future, bad situation down the road. I don't think that this is over. Um, I, really crazy. I, I don't understand why you don't just let that dog sleep and be done with it. Why force that issue? Why even cause yourself that drama if the end result is to leave the round of eight the same? Just NASCAR has had a rough, rough year as far as, you know, making the right call and not looking stupid. And every opportunity they get, they shoot themselves in the face. I am just baffled. I really am. So that's the Phil's fired up this week. Uh, You know, Good, the bad, and and to me, this was ugly. Um, Needed to get that off my chest. And like I said, I'm putting that out there. If you wholeheartedly disagree with me, and I'm a moron, I would love to know about it. Because the the best thing for me is that someone tells me, hey, you're not thinking of this, or you're dumb because of this fact. And I'm like, oh, I see the light. And now I'm not frustrated with the state of the sport and the way that they issue penalties and whatnot. So help me out. If you're listening to this and you don't agree whatsoever, let me know. I would love to have a dialogue about it because it would help me out. It would help my, my mental stability. Um, so that's it. That's the fired up this week. We got the live stream. We got the, um, the idea for the revenue sharing and the, the sports book, and then the Cole Custer penalty, a lot to talk about. I needed to get off my chest and I appreciate you listening to me do that. Well, that's going to do it for another episode of the Full Tank with Phil podcast. Thank you so much for listening. I really appreciate it. Hang with me on a solo episode this week. We'll go out, we'll place our bets at Vegas. We'll come out of Vegas alive. I don't know. Um, Usually when I leave Vegas, my pockets are empty, but not this time, not this week on the racetrack. No, we will have uh, full pockets heading into Homestead where next week we do have a special guest. So Remember, drive fast, take chances, and we will see you next time.